Welcome to the Jesus Image Podcast. Take your Bibles, if you would, please. Uh, By the way, today is Commitment Sunday. We are finally here. This is a wonderful, holy, celebratory day. This is uh, a historic day. It really is. For us as a church family, I believe it's a day that we will all look back at uh, when we are old and wrinkly. And if you are old and wrinkly now, you'll remember this day from heaven. <laughs> Which is good news too. But this is a very special uh, day. I felt that this morning as I was preparing Uh, This is the only time we'll ever do this. It's the only time we'll bring something costly to the Lord uh, that is our first church family offering toward the building the Lord is giving us. Amen. Can we thank the Lord that that he's even brought us this far? Thank you, Lord. Uh, This is a church that did not start by accident uh, in the Lord's heart, but he definitely snuck up on us as we were just simply launching a school and what the Lord has done since those early days at St. Andrews with a few hundred people is incredible. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles to Matthew 23. And I'm gonna just speak to you for a bit today and then our team will actually be the first uh, to come and give. Uh, We can't expect our worldwide church family and our local church family here to get behind this vision if if, if we're not behind it. And that anointing really flows from the top. And so I'm really excited about having this moment with our team where we can bring something heartfelt to the Lord that our children and their children will, will remember. It's gonna be a very special time in the presence of the Lord. Uh, and then once the team comes, then, then you will all have the opportunity to bring your pledge or your one-time gift uh, up, and we will be praying for you as well. Remember, this is worship. There is no scalpel between Holy Spirit-led giving and singing. We should never divide that. It is all worship. In fact, when the Lord requires sacrifice and worship uh, in the tabernacle, he is often speaking <laughs> of an offering, something that bleeds, something that is costly, something that comes from the heart. And so after we're we're through giving, then we'll receive communion together. I think this will be one of the greatest Sunday mornings we've ever had together. And I'm really excited and honored to be in the room with you. In Matthew 23, the scripture says in verse one, let's just pray, Holy Spirit, speak to us clearly and run us through. Go into the depths of our beings and plant the holy seed of the word in us and may this bear much fruit that remains. Say amen. Amen. Verse one, and then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe that observe and do but do not do according to their works for they say 
and do not do. Today we're living in an hour where there is so much going on in the world and in the body of Christ. And when there are vacuums created, uh, especially when the church goes through turbulent seasons, the devil will often fill these vacuums and uh, cause doubt in the hearts of God's people and bring a hesitancy to obey the scripture. And it's vital now that the church clings to the word of God. And we have to understand, listen very carefully, that while men fail, God remains true. Are you listening to me? It's vital now. I've, 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 as I said many times, I've, I've been around the body of Christ uh, at a certain level now for 34 years. And the enemy is much like a terrorist when there is a vacuum and a void and he sees doubt and a desire to retreat as it pertains to the scripture, he fills it with deception. And what Jesus is telling the disciples here is this, the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, do what they tell you to do, but don't do as they do. Do you understand? And so here the Lord is making a clear delineation between what the scriptures teach and man's activity. Oftentimes I have heard, uh, I, this happens to me all the time because I'm in the ministry and you know, I'll be on a plane or playing golf somewhere and somebody will go, what do you do? And I'll say, I'm a pastor. And they, I don't know why, they're always really surprised. I don't know what pastors are supposed to look like, but they're like, no way. I'm like, what, what does that mean? You know, no way, we would never have fought that. I'm like, why not? Gee whiz, I don't know. I don't know. So, so they'll often start uh, to justify their disobedience by calling out everything a pastor or preacher did incorrectly. And what I've learned to do over the years is always bring it back to Jesus. So they'll say, I don't like that that guy drives that car. And I, in my head, I'm like, well, he probably don't like your car. <laughs> you know. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll simply say this, what's that have to do with Jesus? Well... I knew a pastor once who cheated on his wife. Jesus will never cheat on you. I've been part of church and church is just scary. It's just, it's just in, you know, organized religion. That's, I'll hear that a lot too. I, I just don't get near it because people are jacked up and I'm like, well, you're jacked up too. And Jesus is perfect. Do you understand? So we have to remember, we have to remember that our faith is built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not built upon your pastor. It is not built upon your favorite teacher or preacher. It is not built upon your favorite worship leader. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church upon this revelation, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. 
I want to tell you and everyone watching around the world this morning, he is still the Christ, the son of the living God. It is time for the church to cling to Jesus and his word. Are you understanding? You say, what's this have to do with Commitment Sunday? Everything. Everything. Because we are not building our house. We are building his house. And this building will be around when I'm long gone. It better be. Save this tape. Play it for the next generation in 70 years. It better be. It's been a long road. This is his house. This is his work. And it's amazing to me. In fact, it testifies to the might and faithfulness of Jesus that when the church makes horrific mistakes, his kingdom continues to advance. Are you tracking this morning? Last year, uh, Jesse, Jesse loves to find these little, well, this year, actually. <laughs> I tried to put it into a distant memory. But she tries to find like these cool little spots to eat whenever we travel. They're typically pretty good. But she threw me a curveball in Charlotte last year. I'm not going to give the name of the place, but it was the coolest looking sushi place probably in the area. I didn't really care how cool the sushi or how the, the place looked. I wanted good sushi. I got food poisoning that night. It was horrible. And I was so bad at her. Like, you can't just go to the place that is the best. Why do we have to go to the place that looks the coolest? <laughs> I, was, I, was, I felt like I was dying in the hotel. But I haven't stopped eating sushi because I got food poisoning once. Huh? Every time I preach, listen, not everybody gets saved who's lost in the room. But I keep preaching the gospel. When people say, I don't pray for the sick anymore because... Somebody didn't get healed. I said, well, you preach the gospel clearly and people don't always get saved. Keep, keep praying for the sick because Jesus said to do it. We never let our experience, listen up. We never let our experience in church life or with people, even leaders, that must never, ever dictate our obedience to the word of God. The church is built upon the revelation of the Lord Jesus and he is the builder of it. As long, because he said, I will build my church. As long as he's building and it's built upon him, the gates of hell will never prevail. This is the best time to get behind the work of God. This is when wise people get behind the work of God. Because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, if I regard the clouds, I will never sow. In other words, if I allow what's going on out here to determine my obedience to the God who told me to sow in season and out, to be ready in season and out, that I must bear fruit in every season, which means I have to sow nonstop, not just money, my life, my time, my energy, my sacrifice. Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes this in Ecclesiastes, if I look at my surroundings, I will never sow. Because our surroundings do not determine our obedience. What's happening in the world, what's happening in the church, it does not change the word of God. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, 
but my words remain forever. A pastor told me during uh, COVID, I'll never forget it. We weren't, uh, obviously none of us knew what we were doing. And uh, he, he, he called me and he goes, it's time for you now to build in the opposite direction and character of that virus. Turn it up. What's the nature of that thing? What's it doing? It's causing fear, sickness, and death, and retreat. He said, this is when you should advance in the kingdom. Be of an opposite spirit, an opposite initiative. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We do the opposite. This is the perfect Sunday, the perfect Sunday to put a stake in the ground and say, we will serve the Lord. Jesus is my pattern. I said, Jesus is our pattern. I am not your pattern. I want to say that loud and clear. I am not your pattern. Jesus is your pattern. If you leave Jesus' image or Jesus' school being more capable of quoting Michael than the scriptures, I have not done my job. Unless I give you scripture, you're more than welcome to quote it. <laughs> but I've not done my job if you're more equipped with my quotes than the scriptures. Amen? Okay, I wanted to say that before we get started. Take your Bibles to Matthew. I feel like I'm, my voice is getting stronger. So we're going to turn it down a little. Not, not on the thing, but I don't want to get too excited. Learn my lesson. <laughs> Take your Bibles to Matthew 14, verses 13 through 17, and we're going to continue this series on the generosity of Jesus. And I'll begin in verse uh, 13. Amy, do you want to help me just to save my voice a bit here? Matthew fourteen thirteen. Sorry, Matthew fourteen thirteen. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Good, thank you. 
Here Jesus is healing the sick. In another gospel passage, prior to him feeding the masses, the text actually says they've been out here for three days. Which tells us that Jesus is there healing for three days. What a loving savior. He's among the people healing the sick for three days. You would think after such an offering to the Lord and the people that he could care less about how hungry they are. But he does care. I said he does care. And so here the Lord hears from the disciples and they tell him we're basically too far outside the city to feed them. And I'm sure knowing Peter he's probably like why do we have to give them food? They just got healed. (laughs) Can't you picture Peter nudging the guy you know nudging John. John's just like just Adore him, Peter. (laughs) Just sing a song, Peter. And Jesus makes a statement when the disciples recommend that that the needy, that the people should go somewhere else to find their provision. Jesus turns the table on them and says, no, you give them something to eat. So here we are this morning. It's Commitment Sunday. It would be really easy to go, well, there are millions who watch around the world. It's their job. Let them build the house that we get to enjoy every week. Or maybe those who are watching, you're thinking somebody else will watch this eventually throughout the week. Maybe it's for the rich people to give to the Lord. Jesus says here, they don't need to go away, you do it. And then he begins to teach them, listen very carefully, how to do it. And I love the fact that prior to the Lord Jesus working a miracle, he brings divine order. One of the gospel narratives when it comes to multiplying food describes him breaking them up into fifties and hundreds. Wisdom is often needed at a very high level to see miracles at this level. They actually require order. The spirit of wisdom and revelation must be present. It's why you can have an incredibly charged Holy Spirit atmosphere church and it not be bonkers and out of order. I don't think anyone here thinks that we don't believe in the move of the spirit. You all, that's probably why you came. But I want you to notice how all of you are sitting in honor and reverence right now, receiving from a divine water spout called the scriptures. That's the way it's supposed to be. When the scriptures are being taught, it's time to listen to the scriptures. And there's that holy glistening glory in the air when his people sit at his feet and hear his word like Mary of Bethany. 
I feel it right now. Clear as day. I can feel your hearts hungering for the bread of life. It's supposed to be that way. And there's a greater beauty coming to the church that feels much greater than this. So Jesus here begins to teach them how to become vessels of provision and multiplication. The first thing he does is tell them that it is not another person's job. Say, this is my job. All right. Verse 17, and they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. It takes faith to see a forest and one apple seed. Anybody can say, I don't have enough. That doesn't take great faith. It doesn't take great faith to find what is wrong in people. It does take faith, however, to look at a first-year student who has a burning heart but needs to mature. Their heart is not rebellious, but they do stupid things. It just takes not a whole lot of Holy Spirit wisdom, just, just, just a remembrance of how we were at 19 to say, hold on a second, this is a maturity issue, not a heart issue. God raises up leaders who see the diamond in the coal. They have the ability to actually turn up the pressure in a holy way so that the diamond is formed. And so here the Lord is allowing them to take ownership But now they bring him something, listen, that is really a seed that the entire forest rests in, but instead of seeing the forest, they see lack. We only have five loaves and two fish for about 15 to 20,000 people. I want you to see what Jesus says here. (laughs) Oh, I love this. Bring them here to me. Now, I have news for you. Had they said, we have one pectoral fin on one fish, he still would have said, bring it to me. If they would have said, we have one crumb for this entire crowd, his answer would have been the same. Bring it to me. You might be sitting in that room today. Maybe you're discouraged or despair. Maybe you had a plan for your life. Didn't go exactly like you thought it should go. But there's still that little flickering flame in your heart. And that flame doesn't seem big enough to match the assignment over your life. The answer still remains the same. Bring it to Jesus. If you have all the giftings in the world, bring them to Jesus. And so here Jesus says, bring it to me. And that's what we're going to do today. Some will bring more in the natural. Some will bring less. But we are bringing it to Jesus. Verse 19, then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. There's, There's that order now that comes. 
And notice he positions them in a place of rest. Jesus doesn't kiss moving targets. Song of Solomon says, chapter one, let him kiss me with the kisses, the plural kisses. One kiss should turn into multiple kisses. He, he's, the scripture says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. You know, I officiated Jones and Candace's wedding. Uh, they weren't moving right before I told them to kiss. They settled in and kissed each other. That's the only way to receive intimacy from the Lord. You settle in at a place of rest, and I have news for you. Once you hand it over to Jesus, settle into his presence and trust him. Aren't you glad? Isn't it wonderful to know that unless he builds the house, they that labor, they labor in vain? Some may trust in horses, as David said. I think you said it. Some may trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Say, bring it to Jesus. He commanded them to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke it and gave the loaves to the disciples. Listen very carefully. Two things happen here. The blessing and the breaking. The blessing and the breaking. Nothing is blessed until it's given to him. It has to be handed over. Does that make sense? But I want you to see, see theologically the, the grand mastery of it all. As Adam is cursed in the garden, one of the curses is that he will toil for the rest of his being just to survive. Prior to the fall, his job was to tend to the garden. His job was moisture and awareness and tending. And that is no different than what somebody does today in a meeting who understands the presence of the Lord. They're tending the garden. It's more and more rare these days, but hopefully from this church and our school, there'll be a generation of servants of God who know the dew of the Spirit. Notice that Adam is tending to the dew, or I should say the garden, that is moistened by dew, and he's not crying out for rain. When you're really in the move of God, you stop crying out for the move of God and you just cry out for Jesus because there's already moisture there. And that's is his job now. And then the fall takes place and he moves from tending to toiling. Now man has this problem. The ground is cursed and he is cursed. And now with the sweat of his brow, he has to continue to sweat just to survive now what this is not is a job telling you, or I should say, what this is not is a message telling you to not go get a job. I'm gonna be clear. You should. Paul writes, if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. If you don't work, you should not eat. Ladies, do not marry a man who refuses to work. I don't care if he's had 100 visions. If he tells you he goes to heaven every day to the throne room, don't believe him. I'm sick of the weirdness. Any ladies out there just want a normal, Jesus-loving man who will take care of them. There you go, boys, see? They don't care if you can levitate. They could give a rip. 
I don't care if you fly around, have all this visionary experience. They don't give a rip. They want you to take care of them. Say amen. amen. All right, I'm going to preach the first women's conference. Can I, babe? You have me in? All right. This is not that teaching. But I want you to see the theology behind it, what God's doing. A man is assigned to sweat and toil now just to survive. And when Jesus tells them, have a seat. Have a seat. I'm about to show you now how this curse gets redeemed. And so prior to that, man is cursed. But when we take what is in our hands through the sweat of our brow, listen very carefully, and put it into the hands of Jesus, what we put into his hands is redeemed. What was cursed is now blessed. So it's that whole teaching about when the money comes the church's way, when she puts it into her bridegroom's hands, what the world uses to destroy people's lives, we put it in God's hands to advance the kingdom. That is biblical financial stewardship. But it cannot be blessed until it's handed over. Because your blessing is not what you need. You need his blessing. So the first thing he does is bless it. Look, you can put the scripture on the screen, please. And then he breaks it. Blessed and broke. Broke, the breaking speaks of multiplication or a tearing. Now, if you're the disciples, you're even more freaked out at that point. Because these two loaves, each piece just got smaller when Jesus tore it. But it doesn't matter because it's in his hand. Say blessed and broken. Say it cannot be blessed until it is placed in his hands. Thank you, Lord. Now I want you to see what Jesus does here. He gives the loaves back to the disciples. Which means that the loaves did not multiply in his hands, they multiplied in their hands. Do you get it? Do you see the pattern of the Lord? Bring it to Jesus. Don't you dare think for a moment that whatever you decide to give this morning, actually whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to give, is too little. And also, don't think for a moment that if he stretches you, it's too much. You might think you can't afford to do that. Well, what we know we cannot afford to do is disobey the Lord. This isn't a gimmick. This is the Bible. I will unapologetically teach this for the sake of the generations to come. Do you know this month alone, we gave away to missions and ministries exponentially more than we brought in the entire year when Jesus' image was founded. We gave away more around the world and to ministers and churches even here in this city. Exponentially more than the total we brought in as a ministry our first year. And I can't tell you how many times our, our, our CPA has gone, we have never seen a ministry be so faithful in tithes and offerings. This is real. 
And it's all under the glory of Jesus. Say amen. amen. He blessed, broke it, gave the loaves to the disciples. The disciples gave it to the multitudes. So imagine here you are. Let's just use Peter because he's funny for some reason. I've never met him, but I would think he's the funniest one. They bring that little loaf that seems like it, two loaves that cannot make a difference. They bring those fish that seem like they cannot make a difference. Uh, to put it in perspective, the crowd was about the size of the crowd that would fill the Amway Arena. And you've got a few fish and a few loaves. Jesus tells them to sit down. They're convinced this is not enough. But now he shows them how to turn what doesn't look like enough into more than enough. Step one, put it in his hands. Yes. That's called the offering. Yes. And that's why I always say when I receive an offering, do not put your offering in the buckets. Put the offering into the hands of Jesus by faith. It makes all the difference in the world. The scripture says, whatsoever you do, do it unto the Lord. Yes. And so our team will say, these are not buckets. They are, I get it. But in the heart, they're not. We are giving this to the Lord. Number two, he blesses it. He looks up to the Father and declares a blessing. You want that. You want that on your life. You want that on your children. You want that in every area of life. The blessing of the Lord. That blessing, notice, is the opposite of the curse that man was under. When did the blessing hit? When they gave it over. You understand? And the scripture teaches that if you, if the first is blessed, the entire lump is made holy. That's what, that's what Paul teaches. When, and obviously he's not speaking about money there, but he's speaking about Israel. But the, the, the point remains that when the first is blessed, the entire lump is made holy. And that is why the Lord asked for the tithe. It's not because he needs a loan. It's because he's trying to bless his church to further the gospel. I, I, well, I don't want to get into the stats, but they're, they're staggering. Let's keep reading. So they all ate and were filled. And now they take up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Thank you, Jesus. I said, thank you, Jesus. Matthew 6, 19. Can we go there real quick? Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Amy, will you read that? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. 
No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Good, thank you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. The most miserable existence on earth is a selfish one. A selfish way of life may look okay, but internally it is filled with depression, a a sense, a lack of purpose. There's a lack of joy when Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessing also speaks of presence. So to those who give, there is a a literal blessing that comes their way that is charged and wrapped in the presence of the Lord. People who seem to give often seem to be super joyful. And then they step into this place that looks nuts when you first get born again, where they're actually excited to give and they don't know who they're going to give to next. And they move from giving, listen carefully now, they move from giving to realizing their calling as a giver. I personally give, but I feel... We all are, but I've, I've, I've felt this increasingly, more strongly over the last few years. God has called me to be a giver. I get excited to hear the Lord and give to people. I, I think up to this point, Jess and I have probably, I don't know, we've given away two cars already. Uh, I, as a little boy, I remember... Uh, and I'm not telling, that, telling you that to brag. I, I'm, I'm telling you so that you can know who your pastor is and the, the pulse and culture of this house is to give. When I was a little boy, I was in a church service. I never forgot it. And the lady in front of me, uh, it was kind of weird, but I don't know why she did this because I was just a kid. <laughs> I'm looking back at it. I'm like, that's weird. She's like, do you have $5. To, so I can go wash my car. I think that's what she said. Something like that. Anyways, I gave her the five bucks. And I was like, why do I have to give her money to wash her car? She's older than me. That was like $5,000 to me. So I gave her the five. I'll never forget it. Before the meeting was over, somebody walked up to me and said, I don't know why I'm supposed to give this to you, but here's $20. I thought, wow. Now, I don't believe in this weird gimmickry that has plagued the body of Christ. Someone gets on a platform and says, I have an anointing to get you a house if you'll give this much money for this many months. That's bizarre. You need to reject that. Okay? But there is something holy about a a generous lifestyle. And I began to learn God's heart toward me when I was generous. And it freaked me out. I told you the story once when Jesse and I we're told to give someone we did not like $1,000 in a service. I did not really like him so much. The Lord uh, has done a work in my heart. I did not like his message. 
but I could not shake the fact that God had spoken to us. And now Jesse was super chintzy back then. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to do what I see all Pentecostal couples do. They're all going to say, let me talk to my spouse and we'll give you a number. Kind of learned that. And I learned that some of them would try to get out of giving moments that way. I'll talk to my spouse. I'll talk to my spouse. Okay. So I tried to do that to get out of it. And I knew for sure I thought Jesse would come in with a much lower number. She came in with the exact number. And I thought, no, now what do I do? This must be the Lord. And we gave. I walked off the platform. This doctor walked up to me. We were in Alabama. He goes, I don't know why I'm doing this. No, no, no. He just said, good to see you. And he shook my hand. I said, good to see you too. I didn't even know him, but I was like, good to see you too. And, and I, I took my hand away. There was something in it. It was a check for $5,000. He goes, that's for your wedding. I never forgot it. And I'm sharing this with you in boldness, realizing that some people might criticize it. But let me tell you something. The people that criticize it in their books actually sell their books. They're not giving them away. They sell their books and actually, listen carefully, find a way to monetize preaching that, that confronts God's generosity. It's, a, it's quite an interesting perspective, I, I must say. But buildings cost money. Rent costs money. Le a lease costs money. Jesus 23 will cost a a close to a million dollars, right? This stuff costs money. It's worth it. The tour costs money. I'm trying to teach you how God views this. It can be yielded and submitted to the Lord and be holy. Now, give me five more minutes. Jesus addresses the storing up of treasure. And there are two ways to do it. With a worldly perspective that is vulnerable or with a heavenly perspective where moth and rust cannot destroy it. So now Jesus begins to teach us how to live generously and he gives us the secret to either storing up here on earth, which is vulnerable, or storing up in heaven that no man can touch. Then he says something very powerful. Look at this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amy, read that again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart read will be also. Again. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be Does it also. say where your heart is, there your treasure will be? Think about that. What does it say? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Hold on, hold on. How many of you love the scriptures? How many of you are convinced, hopefully, by now that you know, I believe the scriptures are all about Jesus? You believe that, Okay. I'm also not going to run from scripture when Jesus says something because it just self-preserves an image for me. I will teach the scriptures regardless of what it costs me. Jesus is saying here that if I move my treasure, I can move my heart. 
If I move my treasure and invest into God's kingdom, I can move my heart toward caring about God's kingdom. If there's a passion issue in your heart, I want to ask you this question. For, for the purposes of God, this is the question I would ask you. Are you giving to the purposes of God? The moment you invest in something, you start caring about it. I recently, not recently, for years, I've invested in whatever, the market, whatever. I usually only check the stocks that I've invested in. And I care a lot more about those than the ones I haven't. Make sense? So oftentimes where there's a heart issue, there could be a generosity issue. I think that's better than you reacted. Now Jesus said here in closing, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. Now he identifies the two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is not money. Mammon is a demon. And this entire world, this, the entire spirit of the age, the entire world system is under the love of money. It is addicted to the quest of self-preservation by acquiring as much money as possible. And Jesus is saying, that is not the way to live your life. He gives us the secret to building an account in heaven. And I don't know about you, but has God been has God been way better to anybody in here than they deserve? Okay. Has God done more with your life? <laughs> when you look at your gift set, has what God has done in your life, has that exceeded your natural gift set? Let, let's have a little more fun here. Let's talk about your high school career. Has God done more with you than your teachers thought you'd ever do with you? Okay, just because I won Mr. Valentine in 1994 in high school doesn't mean that I should be able to do this. <laughs> it's true, I actually did win. But did you know God glories in a certain method of doing things? By taking the weak and touching their lives. God actually receives glory when the weak accomplish great things. Now here's the wonderful thing. God is going to build his house. I said God is going to build his house. And his house is not a building. I want to make that really clear. His house is not a building. But his house needs bricks and mortar in this city to function at our full capability. It's not so much about the actual structure, but it's going to be beautiful and the structure will declare the gospel. Everywhere you look, there will be beauty, the beauty of the Lord being portrayed in a very prophetic and glorious way. 
How many of you think the world is so crazy now, you'd love to walk into, onto a land with beauty, the beauty of Jesus and his wisdom being exemplified? Doesn't the world need a deep breath? God will accomplish that. Missionaries will be sent out from that place because it is God's plan. Jesus will be adored from there because it is God's plan. Worshippers will arise there because it's God's plan. Songs will be written there that, that, that they will sing for generations to come because it is the Lord's plan. I need an amen. People will get saved there by the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, because it's the Lord's plan. Incurable disease will be eradicated in the glory of God there because it's the Lord's plan. It's what the scriptures teach and it's the, spe the specific assignment for this house. Now I'm aware that God wants us to do something this morning, but I'm also aware that whether I do it or not, he will get it done. And I'll have to watch someone else take the field when he called me to be in the game. I've lived with that awareness for our entire ministry. I don't want to ride the bench. Keep me on the field. I just want to be where you're moving. And so this morning, these are the numbers. Our entire project, as, I, as we said a few weeks ago, is 38 million. Do not freak out. I don't want anyone to go, oh my gosh. That's peanuts for the Lord. That is peanuts for the Lord. We're going to look at the land and say, God is with us. We can take the land. We don't come back with a bad report. It's a bigger number because everything costs more now. Milk costs more. Almond milk costs more. Is almond milk even milk? Can you milk an almond? All right, I was just making sure. All right. <laughs> I was just making sure. Everything costs more. Gas costs more. Yes? Or do you have a special gas station you found? Everything costs more. That's why the amount has gone up. And that amount could fluctuate. But right there, right now, we're at about that number, 38 million. That's on the entire project. We need 22 million to get into phase one. That's the number that puts our foot on the land. And once our foot's on the land, I am believing that anywhere our foot goes, God will give it to us. <laughs> when the foot's on the land, it's too late for the devil. When this group of people gets on that ground, doing what we've been doing here the last two years on Sunday morning, five years on Sunday nights and in the school, it's going to be a bad day for the devil. It's going to be a bad day. And mountain after mountain after mountain will be cast into the sea. I believe that. That Bethany room will be like a furnace of glory. Young and old in that room before the sun comes up, singing to Jesus, loving on him. Fathers and mothers coming through to find rest and refuge for their families. We need 22 million to get on the ground. And it will happen in Jesus' name. I think about five million has come in already towards that 22. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. And so today, today as your pastor, I stand in faith. I can tell you unequivocally, the Lord will accomplish his work. I said the Lord will accomplish his work. 
Now we have the opportunity this morning to be, heart, to be part of a historical Sunday. A historic Sunday, I should say. A, a, a Sunday that I believe heaven is watching. That we actually have been invited to pioneer something. Thank you, Jesus. And so uh, this morning you should all have uh, a pledge card. Do they have that? I'd like all of you to take that. If you don't have one, would you just raise your hand so that our ushers can get you one, please? Gen Z, young people, please hear me. Don't fall into the trap, the pulse of your generation. Follow the word of God. Don't walk into his presence and not bring him something costly. I mean, you, I'm sure you seem good, but you're not that good. God still wants an offering. <laughs> learn this. Learn this. Trust me. Learn this. Obey the word. Obey the scriptures. If, you, if everybody should have that pledge card, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Is that while our team, our team will be the first uh, to come forward. If you guys would get ready. I want the team just to seek the Lord right now for the next few minutes. Actually, everybody can. If you're here with your spouse, you can do the Pentecostal thing. You can talk to each other. Go with the highest number. <laughs> no, actually, do exactly what the Holy Spirit says. For the young people, I want to encourage you, set the trajectory of your life now. Moments like this can literally last a lifetime. When Jesus receives ministry from Mary of Bethany that is costly, he says, I want this to be remembered anywhere the gospel is preached. We call these memorial offerings. The same thing happens with Cornelius' Cornelius's household. He had been helping the poor and it came up as a memorial to heaven. The Lord honored it and I want us to, to have that sense of sobriety this morning. That what we're doing will be remembered. Not just in the generations to come here on earth. But in the heart of God. And so I'd like all of you just to begin praying. You can ask the Lord. And when God gives you that amount, you just go ahead and write that down. Some of you may want to give a one-time gift this morning. Others would like to give a pledge. <laughs> if you want to give a one-time gift we'll gladly receive it. <laughs> but whatever works for you, just obey the Holy Spirit. I'd like, um, could we bring uh, one bucket up at first? Yeah, one, one basket. And once the team uh, has heard, you know what you're gonna do. Jesse and I included, babe, you, you know what, what we're gonna do, right? Yeah, the, the amount we discussed the other night. Uh, the team can stand up. I want you all to just come together. That goes for uh, our worship team as well. And um, any media team is not working as well. If you're on staff here, you guys can come up, come forward, but I want you to fold that 
fold that pledge card in half so that it remains private. And then I want us to pray together before the church. And I'm going to ask the church to stretch their hands over the team. So y'all can come forward once you're ready. Come with your spouses. Um, would you all stand, please? I, this, is, this has a very, very holy anointing. Father, would you, all of you just begin praying in the spirit all over the room? Father, we, we realize the beauty of this moment. Thank you for a staff that is in, who is committed, and who's seeing beyond our own comfort and lifetime. Lord, may the generations remember this time. May they remember this moment. May our children remember the day where we brought you an offering to watch you build your house for your glory and so that our children's children's children would live in the cloud of your presence. And we ask, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would preserve this work for generations to come. Church, just begin praying out loud, church. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you'd keep us pure, that we'd never bring shame to the glorious, beautiful name of Jesus. That in the generations to come, Lord, our children will live holy lives, preaching Jesus, unashamed of the move of the Holy Spirit, And so, Father, we bring you our loaves and fish and we hear your voice. Bring them to me. And we do bring them directly to you. And we ask you, precious Jesus, bless, bless, bless this offering. Break this offering and use it to feed the world. Co-church, please agree. This is wonderful and beautiful. Use this to feed the world the bread of life, Jesus. May the gospel go forth to unreached people. May the gospel invade the Middle East with glory and clarity. May missionaries be sent out from this house to Israel, to Gaza, Lord, throughout, throughout the Middle East throughout the nations. May teachers of the word arise in this building with this family. And your word bringeth light. Now, Father, I ask, Jesse and I agree. Humbly, Lord, as, as those who've been called to serve this staff, Jesse and I ask you, to bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Multiply this offering. Bless them. Put a hedge around them. 
May the blood of Jesus protect them. Bless them beyond their wildest imaginations. Keep them, Lord. You will build your house for your glory. It's our honor to give what you've already so liberally given to us. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray and declare a blessing for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Just continue to pray there in your seats. Just stretch your hands over the team. Thank you, Lord. This is wonderful. Oh, hallelujah. Once the worship team is given, would you all just come up and take your instruments, your microphones. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for what you'll do. Thank you for what you'll do, Lord. For those of you watching online, in just a few moments, we're going to invite you to do the same. There should be info there on your screen. If you've been blessed by the ministry, if you've watched it, we want to invite you to do something today as well and to come visit us, to come be in God's presence and be part of what the Lord is doing in this family. Thank you, Lord. Now we've put the rest of the baskets out. Will our ushers direct them? Is that how this will work? Sorry? They'll just all come at once? Wow, okay. Is that a good idea? Okay, uh, let's do it orderly. <laughs> if, uh, if you have your, your pledge or your one-time gifts, you're welcome to come forward and our team will lead us. You go back to your seat and then we will dismiss you after communion. God bless you. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can like and subscribe to help us continue to reach people around the world with the gospel. Give today at jesusimage.tv forward slash give. You can also join us in person or online every Sunday at Jesus Image Church. For more information on Jesus Image, events, Jesus School, and resources, visit jesusimage.tv.